on this midweek episode of Full-Time Roundup. Champions League, Premier League action, and a huge final. Plus, predictions as always. Full-Time Roundup starts right now. And welcome into the latest episode of the Full-Time Roundup. Matt Gesson here, Daniel Brackett, Thursday edition, live, coffee cast. We are here at Nights from Coffee today, unlike our usual spot of hobbyists. Daniel, good to see you as always, bright and early. We had a, a great episode last night with our friend Danny Brams about MLS, so if you haven't checked that out, go ahead and listen for that on YouTube or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but Daniel, we are back to our normal content of Champions League, Premier League, and everything else that is European football, but good to see you. I know our, our coffee is starting to kick in this morning. It certainly is, and um, like you said, Matt, um, we actually are really trying to do more for you guys, so we actually added a YouTube feature where you could actually see uh, Danny Brams, my face, and Matt's face, and we did you know, some intros and stuff like that, so we messed around a lot on YouTube, and uh, I thought it turned out pretty well, so I'm fairly happy with how it went, and so go, you know, try that new platform out, let us know what you think, and, and drop us up whenever convenient. But, most importantly, we do have the Champions League. I will say the slate was not as good as it was last week, but it's still Champions League football, and you still have to beat Manchester for it, right? Absolutely. Champions League is the best, as I did last week, uh, singing the anthem for everybody uh, with my voice. Not going to do that today, as it's a little bit uh, hoarse from the last couple of episodes and a few other things in between, but uh, Champions League was back, and Daniel... One of the big ones from my perspective was Porto against Arsenal, who surprisingly um, steal a steal a win in the 94th minute. Where where do we start here with this one? Well, it was at the Estadio de, de Grau, so I always like saying that in the Portuguese um, frame here. But we we like when we previewed this, we, we were talking about how Arsenal was running hot. And, you know, it, this was not going to... I gave a, a forewarning. This is not going to be an easy game. Porto are well set up with Sergio Comenzao as the coach. But Arsenal were completely outplayed. And what's made the difference for them this year is set pieces, right? And the commentator was talking about that. They, I think they scored the most set pieces in the Premier League um, so far. They, I mean, they have Saliba and Gabriel. It's, it's pretty easy when you have those. And Rice in the middle. Um... But it was just all bad. It's all bad. You, you probably buried the tape, but I thought Guyana was a menace. And he probably just, you know, found a couple seizures in the summer after that performance. And he should have had not one, but two goals. But, man, was that goal a beauty. Yeah, beautiful goal, of course. A weird play by Martinelli to, to make a pass crossfield like that at that point in the game. You mentioned kind of Arsenal not not playing up to Arsenal standards. Of course, they've been absolutely steamrolling teams in the Premier League. And we did both of us say that this was going to be a harder game for them going into this one, just the way that Porto play more defensively and kind of compact in the back and and really wanting to kind of get a a, a draw or even steal a result, which is exactly what they did. And now they have to go to the Emirates and, and Arsenal need to win by two goals, Daniel. Of course, there are no away goals anymore in Champions League. But Are you happy with that, by the way? No, and I want to get to it later on. But uh, no away goals, but yet Arsenal will have to score two or at least one. You know, they have to win the game and go to penalties. Uh, and if they don't, you know, they don't win by two. So um, it's an interesting one. I, I do think Mikel Arteta was, was outcoached here. Um, just got a little bit too cute with the way he set up his team and, and trying to take a 0-0 draw and go back to the Emirates and win that way. I think when you're a team like Arsenal, who's hasn't won a Champions League knockout round game in, in feels like eternity now. Um, you, you kind of want to just play on, play the way you've been playing, uh, and especially the way that they have been playing in the Premier League, which has been very high high press, high scoring, uh, and you didn't see much of that this yesterday. Only seven shots on goal, uh, or seven shots period, none on goal for them. Also, huge credit to to Porto. They they played. They made the game play the way that they wanted to play. Uh, I think I saw a stat that the, the ball was only in play for 50 minutes of that game with 30 minutes. with 36 fouls in the game. So again, Porto played this matchup exactly that they wanted to, and they took away that momentum, that flow that Arsenal likes to play with. And and you saw it. Um, and, and zero shots on goal from Arsenal. And now 
you hope and you think, Daniel, that they can go back home and, and get a result. But it's going to be interesting, given the way that Porto can play defense, can they just play compact yet again for 90 minutes and, and, and make a huge upset um, and knock out you know, arguably one of the favorites in, in England? Yeah. I, 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 uh, we actually have a follow-up. He does a gambling show. He had one of his picks was, was Arsenal win the Champions League and I guess they are technically one of the top five favorites but I just I can't get myself to I can't stomach betting on Arsenal to win the Champions League at this rate but you do make a good point about being out coached you know what this this game kind of reminded me of Bayern versus PSG Champions League final where it was start stop start stop all game long um Bayern just you know kind of out physical then foul little, little little fouls here and there but yeah, no, I thought it was a, a good game. I don't know if they can turn around the, the Emirates. I mean, I think having the home advantage will definitely help. Um, but it's gonna be a really interesting draw to see kind of how, if Porto really parks the bus in that, in that second leg, or if Arsenal really has to just pour them in for it and they can nick one on, on the counter. So that's a good one. But um, to kind of pivot to the other game, Napoli, in Barca. Boy, nap game. Nap game. It, I mean, both of these games were fairly boring, if I'm being completely honest. But, you know, they share the spoils with a 1-1 draw in Naples. They're, the uh, Napoli's new coach is Calzona, which I just thought that was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, Osimhen was back, which was the big storyline. Um, and so Lewandowski, you know, opened the scoring and Osimhen finished the scoring. Two strikers, two meh goals, but I'm just not really impressed with either of these sides. The only thing that I thought that was interesting was Calzona hooked Caracciulia and Osimhen like late in the game and those are the two players you probably would want to rely on to score a goal, especially when you're at home, but I guess if you could pack it up and just, you know, roll the dice at Barcelona Stadium, which I can't remember the name Manjui. of. Manjui. Um, good pronunciation. That's that's good for you to practice. Um, I guess you'll take that point there. Yeah, strange week for Napoli, of course, sacking their manager 48 hours before this game. So Calzoni or however you want to pronounce Calzona did not really have much time to, to get you know on the on the pitch with his squad and get the formation or, or way of playing that he wants to play. Of course, now they'll have three weeks before the next leg at the Montjuic, as you mentioned, so he'll have a chance to kind of get some of those those pieces right, or at least the way that he wants to play, but man, this was a boring game, and, and Daniel, a, a game that 12 months ago would have been beyond exciting to watch, you know, winner of Serie A, winner of La Liga, Barcelona were arguably one of the, the more impressive sides last season, the way that they played, and, and defensively, and how they kind of had some, some momentum going, and yet, here we are, 12 months later, and Napoli sitting in ninth place, horrible in, in Syria, of course. Barcelona struggling, as we've alluded to and talked about their problems over the course of the year. And this game just was exactly what you thought it was going to be when you saw it on paper, given the way the two teams have played. And it, like you said, a boring game that you know you kind of have to roll through the, the punches with it because that's the, the matchup that we got a couple a month ago uh, when the draw came out. And one of these two teams is going to advance, and it's going to be a big statement for Barcelona if they can make it to the next round. Financially, we've talked about the implications for them, and you do feel going home that they have the advantage, uh, of course, sitting, let's call it second, in La Liga, um, when Napoli are really slipping and down to ninth in, in Serie A. I know Barcelona is only third in, in, Syria, in La Liga, but I, I do think they catch Girona, especially given that Girona, again, lost this week. So, you know, I give the leg to Barcelona, but no, definitely not easy, and definitely not a guarantee at this point. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned I like how you kind of made that storyline with the two domestic winners are facing the Champions League, but you also can't forget that Barcelona actually crashed out the Champions League last year. At the same time, that's why they kind of turned it up for the league so they could get some type of silverware. Um, but yeah, no. I feel like Barca were in the driver's seat for the majority of this match, and you know, it took one defensive mistake by Martinez for Usman to strike. Or a foul. Or a foul. And I, I wouldn't call it, I don't know if I would call that a foul. I don't, I don't, I don't really know, though. Like, refereeing just confuses me these days. But um, they completely 
took their uh, foot off the gas at that point and just like didn't seem like they had any fight left in them to rebound and bounce back and try to go get another goal. They seemed content with just the one-one draw, and I wouldn't say that's the Barcelona way. So I mean, at the end, they kind of came knocking. Yeah, I mean, Gundogan had a chance late, late to to didn't miss by much to win it, but it was dominated after that Osman goal. It was like all Napoli for. 20 minutes. Yeah, but the first, so the first half was, was all Barcelona. All Barcelona, zero shots on, zero attempts, not even on goal, zero attempts at home for Napoli in the first half. Didn't and, and sniff, didn't it. sniff it. Final five minutes of the half, they played a little better. And then you mentioned, you know, the last five minutes of the second half. So if you're looking at it from a Barcelona's perspective, you dominated 80, 80 minutes of this match, call it, call it 75 minutes of this match on the road. Um, and just you know, you get you get kind of again similar to what we were talking about with Arsenal. They they get a result in this instance. Arsenal dropped it at the end, but Barcelona. If you get a if you get a draw on the road in the Champions League, and you get to go back home to your place, that's always an advantage. Um, whether or not Montjuic is camp now, you know that's a different conversation. But you're going home, and, and you have that advantage of being in being in your own locker room and your own you know your own confines going forward. So. Um, in this tournament, Daniel, as in any tournament, what's the what's the old saying? Survive in advance. Yeah. That's all you're trying to do is survive in advance. And Barcelona looks like they have a chance to at least advance to the next round. Whether they go beyond, that's to be determined. But for them, quarterfinals is a, is a big, big deal for them. Especially financially, and we've talked about that numerous times in the show. Um, to kind of go to Tuesday's game, uh, Dortmund and PSV draw in Eindhoven. Um, Talk just, about refing, by the way. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Terzic might be a football terrorist. Um, I mean, the subs, he have Bino Gittins on the bench. In this match, is Lee screaming for a player of that caliber going forward, and he decides to throw on Wolf. And I, I like felt myself you know, throw up a little bit in my mouth when I saw that. And then it just like, you could see they just completely ran out of gas. There was zero inspiration going forward. It looked like Napoli in that first half, um, where they just like could not even put a shot on target. It just was ugly, it was frustrating. But on the other side, a, a US men's national team outlook of this, I thought Tillman kind of looked like a Rolls Royce out there. I thought he looked really good. He just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. And if he did, that would have been, you know, maybe, a big move for him kind of in the summer if he like really stepped up to the plate at that scenario, but I thought he played well. On the other hand, and I know you're not a fan of him, I thought Dest struggled with his decision making in the final third. He's one of arguably the best players one-on-one, but his decision making on when he beats that player is just abysmal and it sometimes comes off, but in this Champions League fixture, it did not at all. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, and obviously, like you said, not a huge fan of Sergio Dest. I love the talent that he has. It just doesn't, hasn't clicked yet for him. And you wonder if it will at this point, given the opportunities he's had. And, and let's not get back to the, the, the abysmal decision during, I think it was the Gold Cup uh, tournament when he made that just ridiculous set of instances for a red card. Forget, now they're here, forget, they're forget, forget, forget. Sure, whatever you'd like to say. Live uh, this was an interesting one though, and, and Daniel, I think the refs have absolutely stolen an opportunity for Dortmund here. It's it's a big deal. Uh, of course, that Matt Hummel's tackle uh, should not have been a penalty, although I guess you can look at it either way where the ref has, you know, the, the clear and obvious error is the is the ruling or the definition of VAR, and, and the ref did not think it was a clear and obvious error and, and gave the penalty, and and they didn't review it, and um, you know that that's going to have. Like I said, this is a big big deal just because of what this implication is now for the second leg. He won the ball, but he kind of went through the opponent. So like, in reality, it wasn't a foul because he got the ball first. But sometimes, if you go through the guy after then it can be a foul, so it's like a, it's like a tough one to, to kind of figure out. I don't know, I mean, I, the fact that it wasn't reviewed in the first place I thought was kind of wild, because I think it, it deserves a review. At, at least a review. Yeah, exactly, and I think Dortmund are, are fairly, fairly unlucky here, but when it comes to the performance, are you more impressed with PSV or less impressed with Dortmund, and do you feel good about Dortmund getting it done that's Ooh, a two-part question. It is a two-part question. Um, we've, we've been 
very consistent with our inconsistency about Dortmund. Um, so that should answer the second question. I don't know if they have enough to get it done. I think I had PSV winning this one when we talked last time with that 3-1. Which is crazy. Um, maybe I'm not on aggregate. Um, I, I think PSV gets it done. I, I, don't, I don't trust Dortmund. And, and we saw, again, even in the league, that they dropped points uh, on the weekend and, and didn't play well here on, on Tuesday. So I, I just I don't know. Now they're going to come out and probably win 3-0 at home, uh, just given the way I said that. But... Yeah, give me PSV in this one. Just it's just I just I, I'm not confident in anything that Terzic does at this point. Yeah, I'm gonna continue to back the yellow wall, which makes me sick because, like I said, I literally call Terzic a football terrorist. But um, I just think they have enough juice to get it done at home. And to kind of move on to the last Champions League game we got um, on the docket, Inter are able to just slightly edge by Atletico Madrid with a goal from Marko Inatovic. I said that, yes, Marko Inatovic. Um, I thought Inter outplayed Madrid completely. I think they're a real dark horse again this year. And I wanted to pose one question for you. Are Inter the top three side in the world right now? Because mm. I feel like there could be an argument to be made. They're definitely up there. Um... The way that... Right now, like, on this day, right now. No. They are not. Who's better? City, Liverpool, Real Madrid. Real Madrid without Jude. Yes. Time to ride. Yes. Well, you know what the best thing is? We're going to find out in this tournament. I guess we will. Uh, To the game, though, itself. I mean, Anatovic had a chance to put this one away, in my opinion. Missed an absolute sitter. Does get the the goal, like you mentioned, um, to, to give them the 1-0 lead. But it wasn't a very convincing performance. And, and Diego Simeone and team played totally different at home. We've seen that time and time again in La Liga or just you know across Spain, whether it's Copa del Rey or anything. that the, you know They're at home. They're an entirely different team, the way that they press, the way that they, they get after it. Um, you could see even you know the players were trying to kind of pick up the pace and, and, and go for an equalizer and Simeone was telling them to slow down um, even late when they're down 1-0 just not trying to, to concede a second one um, Marcus Turam his injury is going to be huge for this one if they can get him back and, and you, you expect Inter to play a little bit lower in a block and, and play more on the counter in this game especially since Atleti have to come out of their shell and attack so can, can Turam with his speed be back in Go back over the top on a counter. That's that's to me is going to be the big the big question mark. Um, I do think Inter is the better side of the two, um, but again, you're, you're you had a chance to go two nil in this one and really make it difficult for Atleti to, to come back here. But one nil, the way that they play at the Wanda, um, I, I this is tough. I, I think it, extra time is definitely in the foreseeable future for this one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, on the betting show, I picked Inter to advance, so I'm still kind of riding that at this rate. Um, I think Inzaghi has enough to kind of really park the bus and play that Italian, vintage Italian style. Let's just wait and just survive and advance, like you say. But it wouldn't surprise me if Atletico Madrid just, you know, dropped a master's class, especially with player like Griezmann leaving the front. Marata's back, which I thought he was going to be out for this most recent game. And then, I mean, they have a solid roster. Yeah, I mean, Marata was a sub. It was good to see him back, given the injury that looked like it was going to be a lot worse. And you mentioned Inzaghi. Just the, what he's done with this roster, Daniels, is remarkable. The way he kind of um, mixes and matches the roster based on who he's playing. He has such depth at most positions that he's getting the best of those players. And He's looking at it game to game and, and who he's playing against versus this is my 11, I'm sticking with it. And you don't see that too often. And it's, it's great to see, especially, you know, Syria odds a little different where they, they obviously are the top of the team, top of the class there. So you, you kind of know what you're going to get from them week in, week out. But when you can go to a tournament like the Champions League, and like I said, you know, put a Mkhitaryan in if you need to play. Uh, now to bitch whenever you need like it's in the back too that, Alexis Sanchez too. exactly so yeah. he has weapons at his disposal and, and that'll be a benefit for them too especially 
as the game progresses, he'll see what he needs to do. If, if they can, if they're 45 minutes in and, and they just need to sit back in that block, they can play that way. If if Atleti gets a goal somewhere, they can bring on some of those subs and, and really go for it. So, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting one. And, and what he's done there is is remarkable. And, and you know, semi or finals of Champions League last year, this is not new to them. Uh, and it's going to be a good second leg. Yeah, and just kind of quickly going off what you had to say about Zaghi, I mean, for a broke club, who literally has fight leveraged their entire future just to stay alive right now, they have recruited so well. It's it's really impressive. I mean, at the top you got Latoro Martinez, Karam for free, Sanchez for free, and Arnautovic for free. Four strikers at your disposal for your two-striker system, I mean, doesn't get better than that. You're taking Fratesi, an Italian national, international, off the bench. Like, it's it's wild what they've done, and I'm really bullish on Inter if they can, you know, not be broke anymore. But... And real quick, before we go into uh, Premier League and, and other leagues that happened over the week uh, as well, um, just one question for you, two questions for you. You mentioned the away goal situation. Curious your thoughts on if we've seen a diminishment, diminishment, that's not a word, a uh, lesser quality of football the first round because of that. And then secondly, well, answer that first, then I have a second question for you. Yeah, no two-part questions here. Um, You make a good point. I didn't think about it like that. I, I, I just think football's football, so you can win on any day. So like, even though you, you drop a stinker one day, it doesn't mean that it should affect you the next time. Like obviously aggregate wise, but not like where you play, I, who gives a shit to me. But I see what you're saying because, you know, for, I'm trying to think of an example, you know, for PSV, for PSV and Dortmund, Dortmund were able to get an away goal that could really play into things, um, you know, in the next game. So not really. I would say I think that it puts up the pressure on each game more, but I'm I'm cool with no away goals. See, I, I prefer away goals. I think that that structure of it was was so unique and fascinating. I'm a, I'm a traditionalist a little bit. Of course, there was the one instance where Atalanta, I think they won the game, lost the tie, and advanced because of away goals, away goals um, which was, or something like that. They lost the match, they won the, they won the leg because of something like that. I forgot exactly what it was, but I, I miss away goals and the impact it has. And it, cha- it changes the, the structure and the, the approach from the, from the home team if you're the second leg or yeah. the away team on the first it's leg. It's definitely more of like a, you, have, you prepare more based off where, where you're playing in that specific game. It makes things more, I'd say, not interesting, but like there's so much more writing on it, I guess. Which I don't know, you can produce a masterclass of a game or it can be a stinker. So I feel like it can get kind of go either way, it's hard to gauge. The one game, you mentioned again, the one game that I think of is when PSG mollywalked Barcelona and, and then Barcelona scored like 6 1. Sergio Roberto with that classic finish to beat in away goals. That's like the classic away goals where it's like, holy shit, this is, this is it. But like other than that, and maybe I think when Klopp went back to Dortmund for Europa League one year, it got wild. But like other than those two games, there's not like any big games that I, I, feel, I feel like I found myself more like, oh my God, this away goal rule is so stupid compared to the other way around. It's an interesting discussion, one that you could have for hours, if All not day. days. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue having it for you guys, especially as we go, if there's any big games that are impacted by it and if it stands out specifically. But my other question for you, again, quickly before we go into the other, other leagues. There's three big teams, Daniel. Inter, Arsenal, Bayern Munich, all trailing or have a one-goal lead in their games. Which of those three advance to the next round? And obviously Inter have a leg up since they're ahead. You said Inter, Bayern, and Dortmund. Arsenal. Yeah, so if you want to look at it, Atletico are 0-1. So all three. So Atleti, Arsenal, Madrid, and Bayern are all 0-1. Oh, God. I don't like any of them. They're all going home. I think they're all going home. I, yeah, I, I guess a guy had gun to my head. I would probably not count out Atletico Madrid. 
But rule number one is don't even look at Bayern. So I'm not going to do that. And I mean, I guess Arsenal could could step up, but I just love Porto and what they're about. And I mean, we already saw Arteta get out coached, so why not? Why not again? Totally different team at home, Arsenal. So True. give me give me Arsenal in this one. I just think there's too much firepower. But it's a good question, just because there's they're three big teams and they're all in the same boat um, going home down one goal in, the, in this Champions League tie, so we'll see what happens. But Daniel, a team that was down, speaking of down, 1-0. Tell me if you've heard this before. <laughs> Stop me if I've heard this before. Your beloved Liverpool, who kick off week 26 in the Premier League uh, with a game against Luton on Wednesday. We were recording our episode with Danny Rams, like we said, in the, in the evening, and, and I felt like we might not have seen Daniel Brackett uh, had Liverpool continued this, this uh, state they were on until about the 55th minute when uh, Van Dyke comes in and, and arguably puts on his captain's armband and, and takes over his cape. and his cape and he saves Liverpool of course they start rolling after that but Daniel up until that point it, it looked a little shaky Luton were very very impressive on the road as the the classic meme back in the day not gonna lie they had us in the first half that's how I felt not gonna lie either. I was spiraling at halftime. I mean, I was as rattled as rattled could get. I mean, you know, I didn't expect Musala to be injured for this one. I didn't expect Darwin Nunez to not even be on the bench for this one. And so when I looked at the starting lineup, I was like, mm, this is not as good as I thought it was gonna be. Um, Harvey Elliott on the right, Gakpo through the middle, and Diaz to the left. Midfield was fine, defense was fine, but, and then I looked to the bench, and it was just our U18 academy, it looked like, and I was like, well, if we need a goal, who the hell are we going to bring on to go get a goal? I don't even know who McConnell was, by the way. He's he's actually featured more, like, Bobby Clark in him, but, like, this Don's guy, no clue. Like, I don't even know who he is, but, um, yeah, I was like, well, if we need a goal bad, like, I was thinking of tactic changes maybe three in the back like I was I was spiraling pretty bad and um, then Virgil really stepped up and then the second one off a of, off of throw in like really really that's bad yeah about 90 seconds later too but you, you mentioned you know just the way that that game kind of spiraled and you felt like it was coming once Liverpool got over that hurdle and they got the first one the second came pretty quickly the third was not too far after that. So um, it, it is interesting, though. Luton, a very impressive team. We've talked about them hopefully staying up as one of the more interesting stories coming out of the, the promotion from last season. And, you know, they didn't really expect to get much out of this one, I would imagine, going into it. Um, when you go up 1-0, though, and you're, you're 55 minutes into a game, uh, you kind of are all of a sudden thinking, hey, maybe we can steal a point here. Um, but they kind of fell apart at the end there. And, and uh, Harvey Elliott with a, a big goal at the end, the fourth goal, just to kind of get some of that confidence. He's a, he's a, a great young player, uh, unbelievable talent, especially the age that he's at. And it was good to see him get on the score sheet. But you also now go four points clear again of Man City. Um, still a game in hand. Still a game though. in hand, though, but still they can't catch you. They can't. Um, right so, now. you know, are you, are you still feeling pretty confident in the driver's seat or – We've talked about it before, we still feel Man City's lead to win, but they've dropped some points that we didn't think they were going to drop. Where, where are you now at this point? Uh, Only mean, 12 games left for you guys, by the way. Not to complain about injuries, but, and I'm just not a complaint. It's just become a concern, really. Um, I just don't. I just don't understand how our entire bench and front line is, is completely injured right now, which is really concerning. But a couple other thoughts I just wanted to get to real quick of the match. Um, with these injuries, we need Diaz to put the ball in the back of the net. And he did score, but he had like four golden opportunities and just could not convert. And it was very frustrating. But with Diaz's goal and Gakpo's goal, we have Mosalot 19 goals, Jotep 14, Darwin at 13, Gakpo 11, and Diaz at 10. Five of our probably six strikers that we have are over 10 goals for the year. Pretty impressive stat. But Two of them are hurt right now, though. And two of them are hurt, which is not ideal. And then McAllister. What a masterclass from Maka. But we're going to get to it later, but I'm a little, I'm a little worried. <laughs> but I'm a little worried about the Premier League first. All eyes on the Premier League um, as of right now. But 
you know, we just can't keep doing this go down and, and come back and score three, four, five consecutive goals. I just, it's not good for me. It's not good for Liverpool. I'm sure it's not good for fans. And my last thing, because I went on a little bit of a rant, Anfield made the difference. They were loud in that second half, and that is why I think we scored and just went on a run. You did feel like Liverpool were starting to get rid of that drop one early for a while, but came back, and, and that could be something that rears its head later on in the season, so we'll keep an eye on that. And, and you mentioned all the injuries, and, and hopefully you guys can get some of those players back. It would be a pretty remarkable achievement if, if Klopp was able to take this to the finish line and win the title this year, given the injuries, given that City and Arsenal are behind him, you know, fighting for it, and, and the way to... What a way to close out his career at Liverpool. Arguably would probably be his biggest achievement if they do win this title. Long way to go, of course, 12, 12 13 games respectively, depending on if you're Liverpool or the, the chasing pack. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. You mentioned those injuries, though. Can they get some of those guys back and healthy uh, in, in a quick enough fashion? There's also a game on the weekend that we'll get to that could be an impact there. And yet still you guys are questionable. And, and, and ongoing for a quadruple still, so we'll see how that plays out. But Can you uh, say that again? Yeah, you were on pace still for a quadruple, potentially? Uh, I just thought you said quadruple. Or... Uh, and so, <laughs> you may... <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Uh, City, who of course played on Tuesday, we mentioned you guys have a four-point lead. Liverpool have a four-point lead on City. City played Bentford on, on Tuesday. Talk and about boring. Boring game. Again, though, City just cannot find the back of the net. You know, they dominated possession, and, and Holland had multiple chances in this one, too. Finally gets off the, the schneid, though, gets a big, big game-winning goal. Pep comes out afterwards and says, never criticize, the, you know, a goal scorer like him. Um, but, Daniel, it's a little bit kind of tongue-in-cheek, if you ask me, just because he did miss chances that he's supposed to finish, and yet he does score big goals like this one. But when the, the game needed it against Chelsea, he had a, a poor game, and, and so you do have to give some criticism when it's warranted. And I, I understand Pep defending his player, but um, what did you make of this one? Again, another lackluster kind of ho-hum performance from City, but they get three points, and that's all, really all that matters. Yeah, I really thought Chelsea, or not Chelsea, sorry, City were going to go nuclear after playing Chelsea and just absolutely drop Brentford. Um, Holland just not playing well in the last month has been pretty interesting. I think he's still scoring goals, but they're just like really soft goals that the defense gives up, less like Holland brilliance, like he, like what we usually see. I think that big head of Pep is going to be really thinking of another tactical dimension here that we're going to see. You know, he rolled out the inverted uh, John Stones last season, kind of at the end of the season, and that's really what set the difference between City you know, not wanting the trouble and winning the trouble. So I think he's going to switch up how to play because I just think right now it's just not, it's just not good enough. They're, they're creating chances, but they're not finishing them. I think he's going to throw the game plan out the window and try something new here shortly. And what that could be, that's only for Pep to know. He's, he's the genius, not I. He's definitely a genius and not us, but you mentioned, you know, just the fact that they're not finishing. I, I do think that will come with time. I don't, it, they have the chances, right? And I, I think that's the biggest thing. If you weren't seeing any chances created, then you can worry a little bit. Again, we talked about it last week, last week's episode. Defensively is where I get a little concerned for Manchester City. You saw Brentford still have some chances yet again. Uh, in this one, they had a chance to go down and score a tie at 1-1, or excuse me, take the lead at that point. Um, and, and so you just wonder kind of where some of these players are mentally in the back. And, and again, the, the way that they're playing, where they're trying to go more counter-attacking and forward-thinking, they, they expose themselves in the back. You know, I think you're missing a player like John Stones who would sit next to Rodri and come into the midfield there. And when you don't have that, you know, Akanji has kind of played some of that role and he's not as good at it. And you leave a little bit of gaps, especially they're not as tight, you know, when they press um, for that reason they're not there's a little bit of separation between the midfield and, and, and the forwards and midfield and defense um, especially when Eric uh, Kevin De Bruyne plays a little bit more forward the way he's playing of late so it, to your point Pep will figure it out uh, and they're still in a decent place in my opinion um, they're still the team to beat but there's a lot of a lot of games to go and can they continue this momentum and, and continue the run that they've been on we talked about just how difficult doing what they're trying to do is, um, and it's never been done before for a reason. 
Well, KDB apparently has something a little wrong with his hamstring, too. So that's a really, really, really interesting development to keep your eye on to see if that's long-term. I don't know if you saw the scar that he had. Did you see that? Well, he had surgery on it. Well, yeah, so. like that, that scar was a, a gnarly little cut there that, that doctor made. But uh, to move on, just real quick, Everton Palace draw. Um, at Goodison Park, I kind of backed Everton here. I think you backed Palace as Roy Hodgson stepped down. They shared the spoils here. This would have been a great opportunity for Everton to capitalize on, you know, a new manager. Didn't have really time to set up the team. They could have really used three points here, but they did come back from losing. So I guess it's a, somewhat of a positive, but, you know, I guess Luton losing yesterday really helped them kind of stay in that not close the gap a little bit, but just stay close to Lude. But I just, I don't know. I think Everton are a good team, though. I'm not, I mean, if you take the point deduction away, they're they're in, they're in the middle of the table. So it's hard for me to be hard about Everton, but they just do it to themselves. I, I was with a lot of people on that. If you give them the points back, their top half earlier in the season, now that you give them the points back, they're still only 13th. So they're not that it's good a team, good, though. But I, I hear you. But it's not like they would be so much better than that. This this result here was a win for Palace. Uh, of course, they were winning. The, they were literally winning the game, so it would have been an actual win. But getting a point on the road, especially given how badly Everton needed, um, Goodison was was trying to will them forward, and you know. Ayu gets a great goal that kind of came out of nowhere, uh, and then Everton score an equalizer off a, off a corner kick and, and kind of steal a point. But if you're Everton, you really needed these three points at home. You mentioned Luton right behind them, and of course now they're tied on points going into this week's fixture. Um, and so I still like Luton. Um, I know Everton are probably going to get a few points back. They may not get all ten back, um, but I, I still like Luton to advance regardless just because I do think that there's other teams like a Palace or a Forest that could slip further down the table. The nice thing about this one, Daniel, is that if you've been kind of following the, the chronological order of how we've been talking here, there was a game on Monday, there was a game on Tuesday, there was a game on Wednesday in the Premier League, and of course supplement that with games today in Europa League, and then we have uh, Bundesliga on Friday. So we have a, we've had a game every single day this week, not including Champions League. It's just a, a fun time to be a fan to watch, and it's hard to keep up with everything, but at the same time, I'm not going to be upset about having a game of footy every single day of the week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're making content for us, so I'm thankful. But uh, to move on to the Liga real quick, the Girona experiment, you know, wonderful, miraculous journey has kind of, I wouldn't say come at a halt, but certainly slowed down. They, throw, they threw in neutral, if, if you will, and they lose to Athletic Bilbao. Um, 3-2, I believe, and this was a big game for Athletic Bilbao as they climb up the table, but for Girona, it seems like they're starting to come back to reality a little bit. I think Barcelona's only two points behind them now, so they're going to need to, you know, they still have a decent amount of room between fourth place and them, but they definitely need to kind of bounce back and get, you know, get their heads right if they still want Champions League football. How far do they slip? I gotta have to check real quick. Um, let's see here. They are. They're only five points in front of Athletic Madrid. I'm gonna put my tinfoil hat on real quick. We've mentioned this before because they're a part of City Footballing Group. There could be a chance that one of the teams could not play in the Champions League next year. And I don't know which team that would be, but I think. Putting the tinfoil hat on, I think they might be throwing, throwing it a little bit so that there's no doubt in anyone's mind that City will be the one competing in the Champions League and Girona will be in the Europa League. I'm glad that you admitted that you're putting your tinfoil hat on. That's a pretty big conspiracy to say that they're throwing it when they were atop the table, but um, I don't think that they finish in Champions League spots, regardless if it's by design or just well, the way they're depends. playing on the pitch. It depends because they might get four or five, depending on how these draws. Because either Italy or Spain 
get the, that extra Champions League draw. So even if they're in fifth place, it's still possible that they could still get UCL. It's it's a weird one. I still don't think they make it. Um, just too much behind them, and, and we've talked about how this team really is probably more of a mid-table team regardless um, and, and just have a really nice story to, to start us off and there's just too much time. If we had had maybe three or four games left or five games left to go, I think they would have squeezed it out but given that there's still you know, a dozen or so games left to go, I think they slip a little bit. Um, it's just kind of one of those nice stories to start us off and of course we were hoping that it would last all season but uh, Real Madrid put a, a squash to that and now you kind of you try and pick up the pieces as quickly as you can uh, knowing that your title run is over, how long, how fast they can do that, I think determines if they can stay in the top four. But for me, uh, not going to happen. Now, the big one, Daniel. Uh, for those of you that are not aware, I am a Chelsea fan. Daniel is uh, a Liverpool fan. Shocking. And there is a big matchup on Sunday that hopefully we will be watching, depending on how things go at the Charlotte FC game here in town on Saturday. If we are watching that game uh, together, it'll be in the French Quarter, so feel free to come and join us. We'll, we'll post that uh, out on our Twitter handle or X handle, Full Time Roundup, if we're going to make it out there. But uh, probably going to be in Hooligans, uh, French Quarter alleyway as we watch that game. But Daniel, you kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier that you're a little concerned or a little nervous here about this one. Um, I'm going to let you take the floor first, since you're the favorite going into this, uh, the expected winner. So no pressure now. Uh, Chelsea's just going to come in behind and, and just kind of steal your thunder. So I'll let you lead us off here first with your with your take. All right. I'm just going to take the mic real quick, just a little bit. This is a secret. It's no one can know. But I am, I am very nervous. I am more nervous than I thought I would ever even be close to being. Like... When I saw the Sloven lineup come out, I was like, holy shit, we actually might lose this final. Now, I'm going to go positive vibes only and hope that Salah will be playing. If he plays, this will be a different result. But if Darwin and Salah do not go, then I am super worried. And you might never, ever see me on this podcast. Because I don't think I can look Matt in the eye for Chelsea beating uh, given how much smack that Daniel talks to me behind the scenes that none of you see, if we were to win this final, he is probably correct that he should never come back on this podcast just because he'll never hear the end of it. I will say this, though, of course, you guys are still the favorites going into it, but Chelsea have looked tremendously better. You and I have talked about it. You continually say to me that we're back. I don't give you that credit quite yet, but we have been improving over the last three or four weeks. The, this discourse that you're even doing means you're back, and you know it. You just won't lean into it because you know it'll hurt if you're not. Back. Tenth place is not back, so you're hot at the right time. Though. That doesn't mean anything. Let's talk at the end of the year if we finish in, in a place that makes sense. This is a big one for us, though, more so than for you guys. Obviously, this really is our season. We don't have a chance at the title. We're not in European competition. So if we can pull off a double somehow on the domestic cups, of course, with the uh, FA Cup as well, uh, still still going, which actually has uh, restarts next week, Daniel. Uh, we'll get to that on, on Sunday, but uh, depending on how we're feeling Sunday afternoon. But this is a big one for us. And you look at kind of the way we played against Manchester City. Uh, you look at how we played against Aston Villa in the FA Cup as well. I do think that we're, we're, we're trending. We're finding some form. Uh, if DeSassi and uh, Levi Colwell play centrally in the back again, I think you're starting to see a, a foundational piece in defensively. Mal Augusto has been playing great at the right back position as well. Uh, ben Chilwell, you know, kind of coming back from injury, just locking down that left side. I think, I think this is what Poach was expecting from the back line uh, all season long, just given injuries and where they were before that. So we'll see what happens offensively. That's where I think we are lacking. Um, you know, how, how much can Cole, can Cole Palmer take and, and kind of run the run the show for us here? And how, how does he compare against uh, Mo Salah if he plays? Obviously, they're not, they're not comparable, but can he at least for one game step up to the plate and shine as bright as Mo Salah here? Can Raheem Sterling make a difference like he did against Manchester City? To me, coin flip, uh, I think it's probably 60-40 Liverpool favorite, to be honest. Uh, you, you have the betting odds. You can kind of allude to more more accurately. Of course, I do not participate in that. 
but I think it's a I think it's a close game. Uh, I, I do think Liverpool probably pull it out late, maybe extra time. Of course, historically Chelsea Liverpool zero zeros or one one. So get yourself ready for for a slow, boring type of game. Uh, of course, there has to be a winner in this one because it's a final. But again, I, I do think Liverpool will find a way to pull it out. We also don't have Allison, which hurts the penalties. But right now, to lift the trophy, Liverpool's minus 155. Chelsea is plus 130. So the odds have gone a lot in Chelsea's favor as of late. But it's going to be really interesting. Like you said, we're going to be at you know Hot Fly on Saturday. So if you're in the Charlotte area, come say hi to us. And then we're going to try our best to to go to Hooligans on Sunday, more than likely, I'd say probably 75% of this rate. Um, so we hope to see you at 10 o'clock in the French Quarter area. Now, real quick, um, we'll do some predictions. First starting with this game, Liverpool-Chelsea, who lifts the trophy score? Liverpool lifts the trophy, 1-1 score, 5-4 on penalties. You actually took this famous X script I had. I'm gonna say one one as well. I'm gonna say five to three on penalties. I feel like you guys have plenty of chokers on that roster that can miss a penalty. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. No for that. problem. All right. To get into the domestic games, though, we have first on the docket Arsenal Newcastle playing pretty interesting matchup here. Arsenal, you know, off a, a tough loss here, and Newcastle are just kind of sputtering. How do you how do you handicap this game? Give me Arsenal. Um, I think it's a big one bounce back. They need to keep pace with City. Uh, they may have been looking towards this game a little bit too on the weekend, just uh, during the midweek. Excuse me, given that they knew they had this game against Newcastle and they had the game return leg at the Emirates versus uh, Porto. So yeah, give me Arsenal two 0 on this one. I think I think Newcastle are really struggling. I'm gonna go three one Arsenal as well. Um, Bayern RB Leipzig. Oof. Tuchel could be out. Of course, he is leaving at the end of the season, but he could be out after this game. Byron have been very, very poor at the back against teams like Bochum and, and Augsburg of late, and, and obviously RB Leipzig has some players like Openda and Xavi Simmons. 3-1 Leipzig. Wow. Now that's a bold take. I'm going to go 1-1 Byron Leipzig. Uh, Next on the docket, Real Betis for Athletic Club. Betis. This is huge for, this our, is fourth, big. for our fourth prediction. Betis are starting to fall away a little bit from that fourth place. It's starting to look like it's Athletic Club in fifth. Can they catch the rest of the pack? Athletic Club, 2-1. I'm going to go with Athletic Club. 1-0. hate that we're picking some of the same ones. Next on the docket, Milan versus Atalanta. Atalanta, 2-0. 2-0. I'm going to go 2-2. AC Milan and Atalanta share the spoils here. Lens versus Monaco. Got some good league one matchups. Yeah, you do have a couple on here. Um, Lens are... Sneaky good. Monaco have not been great of late. Monaco, 1-0. I'm going to go 1-1. They draw here. PSG versus Ryan. Move on. 3-0 PSG. This is easy. That's a bummer. Um, I'll probably have to agree. Easy Ofmar versus Ajax. Fourth and fifth place. Both teams are playing their best football as of right now. It will be interesting... Ajax have a big game today um, against Bogland in the Europa Conference League. They, they are on the road. AZ Akmar 1-0. I, I just think Ajax have tried to climb back into this one and too much to, too much to, to have made up for uh, and, and too many games on their docket. Yeah, I'm going to have to give AZ Akmar the edge here. Probably a 1-0, no, 2-0 two, two win. Um, Leicester versus Leeds, a championship, which we never do, but it's one and two playing right now. And we're getting close to where we need to start talking more about the championship, of course, as they're getting closer to the end of the season. Um, I need Leicester for my 100, 100 point season. You um, do, you do. So I'm guessing that's where you're going. Give me Leeds. Um, 
not because of your 100-point prediction, but I just don't think Leicester can win every single game. You know what? I take it back. 1-1 one, one draw. I was going to say, Ewan would have been really pleased with it. I know. I to say that. I, um, I'm, I think this is going to be a thriller. I'm going 3-1, no, 3-2 Leicester, uh, just because they're at home. And then we have three quick rapid-fire MLS games since we didn't get to cover it yesterday. LAFC versus Seattle Sounders. Uh, LAFC, very simple here, 2-0. Two, two nothing. Um, I'm going to go another 3-2 thriller here with LAFC in Seattle. Columbus versus Atalanta, or Atlanta, not Atalanta. 1-1, one, one, uh, it's too early in the season to know what either of these two teams are. I, I could say ties for all these games, even the one before. 1-1, one, one, though, for this one for me. I'm going to go 2-1 one, one for Columbus to beat Atlanta. And then our last one, Galaxy, who I was very high on last uh, last episode, check that out. First, Inter Miami, who played actually yesterday and won 2 0 against Arsenal. Uh, I believe that uh, Miami has to travel to LA on this one. That's correct. Uh, so, LA Galaxy 2 1. You know how those old people get with uh, flying across the country and jet lag. So, I'm going to go 1 1 here um, for a draw. I think Inter have enough to get a result, but I think Galaxy are going to you know, come in fired up. We shall see. Of course, predictions are always fun. We keep a track of how we're doing. Uh, we'll have to do a, an end of season uh, statistic or tally, Daniel, just to see where we netted out. But uh, another great episode. Thank you for listening, guys. Of course, we have our uh, MLS, pod, uh, MLS preview episode. If you didn't know, check that out. Go ahead. You can listen to that either on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, or YouTube. Um, Of course, you can listen to this episode as well, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Feel free to like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating. Um, Subscribe to the channel on YouTube if you are a preferred YouTube listener. Of course, interact with us on Full Time Roundup uh, over on X. We'll be posting some stuff this weekend to tell you where we are. Uh, Otherwise, we'll see you on Saturday. And if we don't see you locally, we'll see you on Sunday in the next episode.